welcome to, I'm going to say, the start of summer. Even though it's not summer yet, JP, it feels like summer here in Michigan, and it will feel like summer coming up on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we're going to hit 90 degrees up here, dude. Yeah, hence the reason my beard is now gone. <laughs> you, well, you still have a beard. I have a beard. It's just only, you know, a half inch long instead of, you know, 10 inches long. Well, you still have a bigger beard than I do, because let's be honest, your, yours grows in much more lush. My hair on my head grows in a little bit better. So, hey, you know, we all have our things, but uh, we have a thing today. We have our, like, this is almost like a farce. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, it's just the dumbest thing ever to do. It's it is so the dumbest thing ever to do. <laughs> but we're going to do a mock draft for 2024 for the first round, guessing at who's going to be uh, picking where. And then on top of that, guessing who's going to be good before we've even played a season. We did this last year and we'll do it every year because it's just so ridiculous. We might even do another one before the year starts once we get through the summertime. Uh, and all the workouts and see who catches a, a, a break when it comes to position battles or who maybe catches an unlikely and unfortunate injury. And again, some of the guys we're going to talk about today, you might not see drafted next year because they don't come out. Some of these guys today you heard us talk about last year because they didn't come out. So this should be a lot of fun. And we're going to go back and forth based off of the teams that we have and who's picking where. So we're going to start off with the number one pick. And which some, according some to of these guys... Some of these guys won't won't get drafted anywhere into the first round because we <laughs> we no, don't know so what true. we think we know. So right. yeah, instead of throwing that in there, that's that's why it's hilarious guessing. to do these. It is. It's so bonkers, and we can go back and laugh at it later on. But so the first pick in the draft, we're using Tankathon. Uh, so their website, if you've ever been there, they do a nice job of keeping it up to date. But again, they're guessing as well. It's it's really funny because you see teams talk about strength of schedule and oh well this team's got the hardest schedule this team's got the easiest schedule and yeah there's a little bit of that but because of the parity in the NFL from season to season records are a thing but also they're they're not always the best indicator of who's doing well and so it should be interesting but at any rate Arizona according to what we've got dude Arizona has the top two picks and we Hence decided that to have some S fun with that plus that I gave them or S star right. or whatever the heck I did. Well, they might be on their way to getting another S star exclamation point yep. ampersand, whatever you want to do, uh, based off of what's going to happen in this draft. Because the number one pick in the draft, the Arizona Cardinals are trading, and who are they trading it to? Well, let's. We should briefly say why you decided to trade the pick. I mean, I think it's. I mean, I'll say it for you, but we just don't want to predict that Kyler Murray's not going to work out, and you're not right. going to sit there with the quarterback class that's there and not take a quarterback so right because this is different why from not what capitalize they on on the trades like this could be the the rg3 or trey lance package deal where right. they end up with three first round picks for this thing right and that's the thing this is different from when they had josh rosen a few years ago who was on a rookie deal who didn't really pan out didn't really give him much of a shake but still didn't really pan out and so they didn't feel like it was that big of a deal moving on to kyler murray which would be the greatest irony it's like almost like when you know yeah, you've heard stories of uh, of anybody you've heard of that's like cheated on a girl, then married that girl, and then cheated on her, or vice versa with guys. I mean, like it's just a bad idea. So Kyler could be caught in the weird poetic justice of being the guy that they took to replace the guy, and now he's getting replaced. I don't know. Arizona's got a new uh, leadership there, but it'd be a very prohibitive contract from to move on from. So we're going to, at this point at least, believe that Kyler's going to be healthy, that he's going to have another good season, and show them enough to not want to move on from. $200 million in a hilarious dead cap charge. Also, let's not forget, the new leadership decided to listen to Kyler Murray and draft the guy that they wanted this past year while moving around right. to do so. So I have to believe they're somewhat supportive of Kyler Murray. So sure. if he stays also, healthy, i got to right. assume they'd move this pick. They're also not going to be fussed, though, because there's no way if Kyler Murray stays healthy, even with the state of that team, that they're going to be picks. You know, the, the one of the top two picks in the draft. Now, that being said... They might not have, you know, first or second. They might be fifth or sixth because the team has a lot of work to do. But that being all of that to say, because of how things have shaken out, shaken out in this early, early, stupidly dumb early draft board, the Cardinals had the first pick. In our minds, they have a healthy quarterback who's training in the right direction. So they trade that pick to who? Tampa Bay, man. I got okay. my Buccaneers moving up to one from three, so not much of a fall here, which is crazy because then, in theory, they would have the second and third picks plus whatever else they, you know, acquire from this trade right. back. But got Tampa Bay moving up to get the QB of the future, which 
I, I think is probably brilliant. I mean, plus mm-hmm. it's a little more logical going from three to one. But um, right. the surprise here is you and I may be different than the rest of the world. Ooh. I, I mean, it's my pick, well, but you I think they, you agreed with it, but I, I got Drake, I got Drake May going one. I we have won't Drake be by the end of the May year, going. Dude, both Drake May, May and Caleb Williams are phenomenal mm-hmm. first overall pick right. in almost any draft caliber quarterbacks. But I just I, the dude, the tiebreaker to me is is Drake May put up almost the exact same stats with mm-hmm. less talent at a smaller school and he has the prototypical QB size. I mean, he's like 4 right. inches taller. And I think and I don't I forget the difference in the in the weight, but I think that Drake May still he's got like, like He's like 225, Kayla Williams 220, yeah. So he's like three, four inches taller, five pounds heavier. But, I mean, that's just the tiebreaker for me. You couldn't go wrong Mm -hmm. with either one of these guys. Right. Well, the other reason for that tiebreaker for me is that, uh, let's put it this way, Lincoln Riley has a thing for creating offenses where quarterbacks excel. Until recently, Mac Brown had not been given the same thing. So maybe their offensive coordinator does that a little bit. But that's, that's my point. It's like Drake May didn't have the hype that Caleb Williams did coming in, and that's one of the reasons I think why Williams got the Heisman instead of May. Uh, but, yeah, I think we both agree Drake May is going to get so much coverage over the course of this next year. Like, we sound smart right now because everyone's going to catch on to this by the end of it. I hope so. Second and I pick. think they will. I think they kind of already have. But second right. pick, guess what I did again? Well, took another thing. Took another one of my teams. Well, yeah, you, you said again. you picked up the phone – and started mm-hmm. making some calls, and then me being the Las Vegas Raiders, who are, hey, maybe even a little partly owned by Tom Brady. Granted, he had not right. really had the. I don't think he has control of any of these decisions, but hey, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm the Raiders. I hear you're on the on the phone. I, I'm buzzing in. I'm going, dude. Get me up to a two. So you did the double trade back with Arizona. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Arizona on, got rid of the so, first and the second. Which means they still have the third though, because that's for Tampa. But it also at. means, but they, Chris, it means that they probably got three percent. Dude, like <laughs> if you move the first pick, you probably could get minimum two first and some other stuff. But you probably with the first pick are probably getting three first, right? That well, second pick, because, you could probably get two first. They could end up with five first, which is three extra first. Well, I'm not going to go that far because I think because it's just Tampa moving up from three to one. I don't think Arizona gets that many. I think they might get. Two first round tops. I don't think they'll get three out of that. But that being said, because Vegas is moving up from eleven, I think to get into that spot according to our current board, it'll it'll wash out. They're going to get multiple first and second round picks out of both of these trades, and that's going to set them up for the future, prob- which they need. Yeah, and it could be, and they might. I mean, it might not. They might pick them in different drafts, so they could end up with right. still two first round picks this year, two next mm-hmm. year, two the following year, and just be loaded i don't know it's crazy a a star asterisk at sign money for arizona don't care what they do with the picks that's crazy cool but let's get back on track here um it does gave my draft much. grade gave my draft grade for arizona already man just killing it but uh the raiders they got caleb williams there what was i just mm-hmm. talking about either one of these guys could go number one and caleb like the raiders see caleb williams on the board at two Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they're stoked about it. And you and I were talking about this off air. Why does it just seem like he's a fit as a Raider? Yes, he seems way like, more. I, no, no, to Drake May. He just seems more like a Raider. Yeah, and he seems more like a Raider play. than Drake May does Tampa Bay. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. As soon as we made this pick, like I instantly like had this image in my head of <laughs> Caleb Williams and and the black and silver, and I was like, oh, this is just gonna scurrying happen. around. Just yeah. makes mm-hmm. sense. So, no, I don't I know. It'll be really weird. Good. It'll be really weird, like, you know, fast forward to the actual draft or mock season if the Raiders, <laughs> like, this ends up being a thing because it feels like it's right. already happened. Yeah. And, again, I think but, that that would be I – mean, we, 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 we will let you know, like, we are not trying to project what the the draft capital is going to be that these teams use. But we're not, we're not going to get into the weeds on that. So let's just suspend your belief on what teams are willing to give up for players and just accept that these two things happen. Because in just about any world that we can conceive right now, way too early in this thing, Drake May and Caleb Williams are going 1-2-2-1 in some way, shape, or form. I don't know who the teams are yet, but that's pretty much slam dunk going to happen at this point in the game. All right, you're finally up. 
Yeah, it's it's finally with the, draft, the Raiders right? or, or yeah, not the Raiders. Sorry, the Cardinals. It's, finally, yeah. at the Cardinals. So Arizona with that trade to Tampa is going to be at uh, the third pick, and they're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. to give a shiny new toy to uh, their shiny quarterback who didn't get injured this past year in Kyler Murray. At least that's what we're calling it, right? So uh, Marvin Harrison, we saw this last year. He burst onto the scenes uh, for the poop team for Ohio State. Uh, but I will say, like, look, obviously he learned a few things from his dad because this dude got open. He got exactly where he needed to be. And he put up some serious, serious stats last year. When you look at what he was able to do, I mean, 77 catches for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns uh, when he was not supposed to be the number one guy on the team coming into the season. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, that's. You know, if, if Murray stays healthy, that's their number one player on their board anyways, and they just got sure. him at three while acquiring all that other stuff that we, you know, kind of Gave speculated <laughs> about. But anyhow, right. going going to L.A. Rams, talking about a player being the number one player on their board, and I don't know, I guess it could be one of two, but I think mm-hmm. it would be this guy. But I said it the entire last year. I, I know they – you know, addressed it a little bit, but the old line was so bad. I'm going right back to it. It's Joe Alt from Notre Dame. <laughs> this slam dunk pick. It, it doesn't even matter if Stafford's there or not. This old line's okay. just ugly, man. Because that's what I was going to ask is like, do you think Stafford's going to be, you know, still in one no, piece or going to hand it over to Stetson Bennett? Yeah, but th- there's no way. Like, I don't even know if they would even go quarterback. Can you put it, a rookie behind that line? <laughs> I mean, you can. They better you have might. some wheels. They better have you some might have wheels. To get a second rookie the next year. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, Joe so, yeah. Alt, perfect fit here. Rams, sure. left tackle and, of the future. Right, and the Colts are coming up next, and they said, you know what, I like that plan, I'll take that. And they'll take Olu Fashanu from Penn State. And a lot of people, again, you know, we look at where things are at before we even get to summer practices and everything. These are the two tackles. We had the two quarterbacks that are the top two quarterbacks. These are the top two tackles in a lot of people's minds. Alt, Fashanu, different people have them at different points. I mean, you can try to make an argument that uh, that you know maybe you like the fact that Alt is six seven, Fashanu is six six. You know, you split hairs wherever you want, but these are the two best guys. Now, the one thing I will say uh, in Alt's favor is he did have a better combo of pass block run block numbers. Uh, Fashanu has not shown great run blocking so far, so that's going to be an area I want him to try to to kick up a little bit this year with Penn State. Uh, but he is the next person to come off this board because Indy, while they don't necessarily desperately need a tackle, they still need help on their offensive line and they can shift some bodies around and they need to make sure that they're putting their best foot forward for Anthony Richardson, whether he's gotten a chance to start this season or not coming into next year, he almost guaranteed will be the starter going into that 2024 football season. Plus, Alt Pop played in the NFL too. I believe he. Yeah. His dad was John Alt. I think he played for the Chiefs, so he's got that pedigree, man. Right. Uh, Olu, I think, just has a big body and a lot of ability. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Olu was really good too, though, because had he come out this past year, he probably would have been the the top ranked tackle there. Right. Yeah, and again, I so think, like I said, I think this is right, and this <laughs> they're is both why really this, good. This draft. Yeah, this is why I'm it's so loaded. excited. This draft is in Detroit. And we're going to be there. Yes. We're hoping to yes. be there in some level of an official ca- capacity, or we're just going to hide in the back and <laughs> plug in and do it anyways. We'll see what happens. But, uh, but yeah, let's move on to the Washington uh, whatevers. I'm not sure they're trying to sell their team. Uh, the maybe again, right? sold c- commanders. <laughs> yeah. Well, that bit is looking in rough shape right now when, when you're talking about, like, it would be the, the least stable bid, which is funny and ironic. The least stable bid that the NFL has done from a standpoint of how many partners there are, where the leverage is at, where the debt is at, all of those financial pieces. But Dan Snyder is that toxic that they might do it. Yeah, I mean, Goodell was pretty much saying he guarantees it's done. They just need a few minutes to work it out. So Right, to, to make sure that everybody mm-hmm. is okay with the fact that you have an over-leveraged group in comparison to what other ones have been in the past. So. That, that's all the, the numbers and, and dollars and cents that uh, we are not paid to worry about. So instead, we're going to worry about what they're going to do with this pick. And, dude, you and I both want Sam Howell to work out. And if Sam Howell works out, this pick doesn't happen. But Correct. Sam Howell is also a fifth-round draft pick, even though we thought he should have been higher, uh, who hasn't even started uh, a ton of games yet. So what we're going to do, and you you encouraged me to go this way with it, and I'm. I on did. And I'll explain. It. I'll explain why after you take do your. Well, thing. here's the pick. Here's the pick. The pick is quarterback 
JJ McCarthy from Michigan. I realize some people are, are you know, clearing out their ears, make sure they hear that the sixth overall pick is going to be a Michigan quarterback. But go ahead and explain why. So I just wanted to. I I understand this is a a hot take and it's an early hot take. But we like those. I wanted to get out ahead of this in front of the rest of the world, if you will. JJ McCarthy's got your prototypical QB size. I mean, he he's got to be at least like six three or so, and right around allegedly put on like fifteen pounds, like I said. So we'll so see what his weight is. But this is a guy who's got QB size. He's got some incredible wheels, right? Right. And we, we, we've seen all the tools, but the problem is, is like outside of a team is like with as much talent as Georgia. Like, there's a lot of people talking about how much depth this Michigan team has. Mm-hmm. Like, they could be going in as the number one ranked team, number two team. Either way, they're gonna be a top five team. Right. Their schedule is, looks pretty darn easy. Outside of Penn State and Ohio <laughs> State, they don't really play anybody, which is rather disappointing to me. But what I'm getting at is Michigan set up to be a top-four team and go on a playoff run. They could be undefeated going right into Ohio State. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. They're projected to beat Ohio State, so they could be undefeated going into the playoffs. McCarthy's probably going to break every single Michigan passing record there is, (laughs) considering he almost did it being short three games last year. Mm -hmm. So if you have a prototypical size quarterback, he's got wheels, he goes undefeated or at least makes a college football playoff, breaks Michigan football passing records. There's going to be some buzz around this kid. Yes, definitely. The so only it, thing I just feel like hold... a lot of those things happen. There's so much talent on right. this team this year. Yeah, the only thing that might hold him back a touch is just whether or not uh, Michigan commits to the passing game at times because, again, Michigan is – yeah, they they have two running backs we're gonna potentially talk about later on today, right? So Wait, they, did, they at, didn't commit to passing, and he still almost broke all his stuff being three <laughs> short games. That's also because Michigan didn't has never committed to passing except for that little rich route experiment. So well, I get it. Uh, but here's what I can tell you: looking at their their schedule, you're right. East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green are their three non-conference games. So it's gonna be the same questions people had last year. But they they really looking at who they're playing with Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, then Michigan State. That game's always a coin flip just because. But State's looking like they're going to figure out their quarterback's going to do this year. But then their last four games, Purdue, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, this is very much setting up like they're going to be in that position. And again, yeah, the quarterback on the team that's doing the best usually does get some love. Uh, So again, McCarthy, I think people will be talking about him differently later on this season. And so that's why we got him sitting up this high. And you know what? If Dan Snyder doesn't own Washington, uh, I might actually be a McCarthy fan going into uh, his first year with the, I guess we'll still call them the commanders for now. Next up on the list is Atlanta. And you know what? This is another exact same situation where if Desmond Ritter works out, this isn't the pick. But that's a huge if and maybe even a bigger if than Sam Howell only because we saw a little Desmond Ritter last year and he was meh. And so we'll see. Atlanta, though, we decided they probably have to go quarterback, and you convinced me to go with this guy as well. Here's another hot take. I why did, but because oh, of his hair, but he got rid of it, so now I'm second-guessing <laughs> myself. So Quinn Ewers could... is the pick. He's the he's the Texas quarterback right now that everybody wants to not be playing because they want Arch Manning in there. But, yeah, Quinn Ewers had the mullet, had the beard, was ready to rock and roll and be your like second coming of Gardner Minshew with jorts and you know a beard mm-hmm. or whatever, and instead – the guy goes all business like Charlie Sheen in Major League Two, man, and just gets rid of all of the hair. And we'll see what happens. He may try to grow that back out as the the season he, goes. He's you know, better because you know he might have jinxed him. That is his mojo right there. You know, but <laughs> he's it's almost the same thing as what I'm saying about JJ. Like, you know, all the things I said about JJ, like Texas could be that good compared to last year. But with Quinn, what I want to say is, is like. When I watched Texas play with him and without him, it was night and day difference of a team. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's because he's that good, because he's that much of a leader, or like the team's that much more confident when he's in there. It could be any sure. or all of those things, but I'm just saying the guy is different. If he stays on the field and accomplishes what it looks like we saw flashes of, guy's going to generate some buzz too, and he's going to fly up draft boards. I mean... I honestly think between these top four quarterbacks, like I can't think of a draft class pre-college football season. Once <laughs> the season was over and you found out some, learned some things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There might have been four guys that had some solid buzz, but 
for me personally, I can't think of a draft recently where there were four quarter four. Dan, right. I'm gonna keep saying four quarterbacks <laughs> that I was that high on, and there's still quarterbacks that I like a fair amount. Sure. Still, this class yeah. is has the potential to be crazy. We all know that you know at any moment it could go south, and you could end right. up with one or two. But it has the potential. I like Quinn Ewers here. It is shaping up to be a fun year. And so that's where Atlanta's taking him at seven. So we have four quarterbacks going on the top seven, which is just comical on so many levels in comparison to past years. We give you a reason for why. All right, now we'll move on to our other poop team, and this is the Green Bay Packers, who Tankathon right now is projecting to be picking in the top ten for the first time in I don't even know how long. Uh, but again, there's no quarterbacks left that we I think either of us feel good about. So who are we having the Packers take here with the eighth overall pick? I don't want to talk about it. you got to do it. I can't say it out loud. I you can't, can't do it, say man. that your least favorite team is getting your most favorite cornerback, or I actually call him a safety, but Cooper DeJean is the pick right now. And again, that might be a bit bold for some people as well, but we're letting ah. JP have some fun with some of the players that he believes are going to rise up people's boards. Uh. He's Cooper DeJean, and a lot of people's minds are like third, fourth corner, somewhere in that ballpark roughly, but uh, you love this guy. I think he is at worst the second best corner, but I think he also has the ability to play safety and mm-hmm. Green Bay has a need at both, probably more side. so at safety. And I it just it makes a lot of sense and I think he's just gonna ball out this year. And I I don't know. That's kind of what my goal was is to plant my flag on players that all these other sites and analysts and whatnot don't have as a top guy. So well, here's one thing I can say that uh, kind of gets to the bonkersness of everything we're doing right now. You know who else agrees with you? Somebody does. Don't Pro say like BFF. Do they? Oh my gosh! <laughs> they gave him an 88.5 last year, man. That's low. He had a tremendous. <laughs> okay. He had a tremendous season last year, according to the analytics stuff. So I think that's he's good. That's man. a fun he's start so for good. us. That's a fun start for us. All right, Tennessee is up next. We'll put, sitting you want to know how good he is? You want to know how good he how, is? How He's an underclassman he? that started on Iowa. Admittedly, that is that is a thing because of all of the people who were thrown down about uh, you know about Lucas Van Ness. Uh, yeah, about Van Ness last year, uh, not starting but still putting up the numbers. Yeah, you're starting in Iowa. That shows that uh, you mean something to that program. There's no doubt. Well. The guy that means something to uh, his program is going to get picked at number nine to Tennessee. The Titans have got some questions Ooh. themselves at quarterback, but uh, do you think what levels will work out for him, right? You're stoked about this pick? Well, I'm stoked about this pick. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to project the <clears> – excuse me. See that? I got so excited here. I got a little, <laughs> a little, a little grumbly like dragon breath there, probably because I nicknamed this guy Bowser. But, there you uh, go. The Titans here, man. I, I'm not going to project that Will Levis doesn't work. I mean, odds are he doesn't. I mean, you could say that even if he was drafted high in the first. Odds are quarterbacks just don't work. But right, sitting for a year and, yeah, and I just – I don't know. I, I think that he's going to sit this year. You're not going to see much from him, and then he'll start next right. year, and next year will be the – so we're not going to know if he's the guy or not, so I guess is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Because right. Tannehill is going to be – unless he gets hurt, I don't think we're going to see Levis. So they're going to groom right. him for next year, and then going into the following draft is when we'll know if they're going to address quarterback or not. Right, so, exactly. I'm not going to go quarterback here, plus we had four go already. So <laughs> why not Why not go tight end Brock Bowers? Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is just he's 100% just different. And right. for some reason, I can just see – you know how I said I, I like I envisioned uh, a Caleb Williams in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the Raiders jersey? Who's that right. guy you always watch the show, the this guy on The Simpsons? He does this with his fingers. Montgomery Burns, the, the that, old man. That's, that is what Mike Vrabel just did when Bowers was on the board. He's like, oh, oh. yes. And it's just done. I just had that. Yeah. Brock, Brock Bowers right there. Boom. Tennessee Titan Mike Vrabel is sure. stoked. This guy's ripped off He's a Mr. 90 Burns. plus in the last two years in pro football focus. But the thing, too, is like, He's had almost a thousand yards receiving last year. I mean, it's just he's a matchup nightmare, and exactly what you want for a quarterback that you're trying to, to test out, so to speak. The Chicago Bears are up at ten, and who knows? They may not pick at ten. They're they're bouncing all over the place uh, with what they've been doing with their draft picks lately. But this is one of the ones that uh, either this one or the one they've got a couple of picks is the one that they grabbed from this draft, this past draft, and. They need to address some defensive issues, and so they're going to go with a guy that both of us thought could be 
the second best uh, edge rusher coming out of last year's class, and that's Jared Verse. Jared Verse from Florida State, the 6'4", 248 guy. So he's very much uh, similar in size and everything to uh, Will Anderson, if not quite the same type of player. But he's posted over an 80 every season when you look at the pro football focus and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and But again, when you look at the guy, he's got 25 hurries last year. He had nine sacks. He easily could have come out if he wanted to. He wanted to have another year in college and more power to him. He's going to be a top 10 draft pick next year. And the Chicago Bears will be very happy to just stick him on the edge and say, go hit people. Right. I, I, I got to jump in a little bit here because I think anywhere you look, he's always going to be a guy who's top five to me, right? right? Everywhere you go. In my mind, though, two quarterbacks are going in the top five. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. going in the top five, and you also have two very, very elite offensive tackles. So there's right. five stellar top five picks, right? Mm-hmm. But now factor in the – like when you think about top five edge rushers and whatnot, like – I, like this, I love Jared Verse. I really do. Sure. But he's not the same as uh, a Bosa Brothers or right. a Miles Garrett or Aiden Hutchinson. Like he's he's right. not in that like truly elite edge rusher class. This is just a right. very very good guy. And you and I were super high on Will Anderson, you know, and he 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 trickled down just a little bit too, but. Mm-hmm. Just in Will Anderson trickled down in a class that wasn't as strong as this class. So as strong as this class goes, like <laughs> I really think there's a world where Jared Verse just even when draft day rolls around, I, he's going to have to do something incredible to go in the top five in my mind. He will go in the top right. ten. Mm-hmm. It's just those other top five players. Like I don't see how he's going to dethrone right. any of that. Yeah, given the players and given the needs, uh, I agree with you. I think that's why that's why Chicago would be ecstatic if they're picking a ten and they get oh, the, the top. They're stoked. That we're looking at they right did now. the Mister Burns too, right? <laughs> it's got that going all over the year, all over the season. This is gonna be a running thing now for you. We should be excellent every time something <laughs> goes great for the people in here who are over thirty that still watch The Simpsons. So next up on the list uh, is one of those trades that we had at eleven. Arizona is going to be picking. Uh, after their flip-flop with Vegas. And even though they jumped all the way back to grab their draft haul, they still need to protect Kyler Murray. They grabbed uh, Paris Johnson Jr. last year, so they're going to grab the best interior O-lineman in this draft, and that's Cooper Beebe. And this is a guy that uh, could have probably been a first-round draft yeah, pick last so year. He's incredibly good. He's just a flat-out road grader. I mean, the dude's 6'4", 322. He moves so well and so he fluid does not, forever. He does not move like a man of his size. No. like You know who just did the Mr. Burns there is Kyler Murray. Because if he does stay <laughs> healthy, if he can get – can you imagine, you know, he got the tackle he wanted. Mm-hmm. Now he goes and gets Cooper Beebe as well as an interior guy. Oh, man, he's feeling good. <laughs> he's like, hey, can we run everything to the left this year, guys? Can we just go to the left on everything? Even if but they yeah, don't, I guarantee you his first step is left. Right, every time. We go behind <laughs> these two. <laughs> right. And again, this is a guy who had one penalty last year in 940 snaps. So that, that's I'm, – I'm good. I'm good putting Cooper Beebe here. I do think that some people say that, you know, you, you don't usually do guards incredibly high. Well, you know, this is a guy who's worth it. Chicago is up at the 12th pick again as they kind of bookend in there. As the, I think this technically would be their actual pick, but uh, – they need some help all over that team, and so why not help Justin Fields out and give him a guy that, uh, I don't know, might have been a freshman when he was still there, or uh, or at least they passed like ships in the night over there at Ohio State, and that's Emeka Egbuka. Probably screwed that name up, but uh, we'll figure that one out as we go. I try not to associate myself too much with Ohio State players, but you can't help but look at a guy who again was not expecting to be the number two at Ohio State last year and had 74 catches for 1100 yards and 10 touchdowns so an incredibly solid season as much as it's annoying to say for a Buckeye but was up over 82 on the the pro football focus so again like this is a dude at 612-205 he's not a giant but he's solid and he is going to help out that Chicago offense all right Denver here Wait, Denver's uh, picking the, in the first round? Yeah, yeah, they they are, and you know they could go almost anywhere. I, I this is probably the pick I struggled with. I think, yeah, they should, but <laughs> four had gone already. Right. So unless you're going to go a Bo Nix or a Penix Jr. No, uh, I know a, a Sanders Jr. If he you know shocks the world, I, I just I don't know. Look, dude, anytime quarterback comes or anytime Denver comes up, I'm just going to throw a quarterback at you just for funsies. I do it too. That's been my ongoing thing all last year. You were the one going, no, stop it. 
because you well, thought I was being harsh on Russ, but even you came around at the end of the year going, <laughs> maybe they should go quarterback. I saw all the burnt pans from what Russ tried to cook, and I'm like, no, nope, nope. I saw chicken that looked pink on the inside, and I'm like, no, nope, not doing it. It was ugly. It was bad. But anyhow, so like I say, I, I struggled with this pick quite a bit, and you know, I feel like the player I gave him is really all – you can see him going higher than this. You can see him yeah. going lower than this and maybe not even in the first <laughs> round sometimes. He is but definitely a wild card. He's a wild card. But I'll, I'll say this. Based on the, the style of defense that they run and it seems like what they always try to do with Miller mm-hmm. and Chubb and this and that, Chop Robinson like seems like he fits that mold. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a larger – a uh, linebacker who plays like an edge rusher type role, allegedly yep. like 6'3", 250. And at 6'3", 250, he's very twitchy and athletic. And right. I don't know. It just seems like their mold. Like, I haven't thought – I can't think of any players that I've ever said that seems like a Bronco. He <laughs> is probably the first one that seems like a Denver Bronco. Sure. He just feels like that style. So, yeah, and I he put him there. The I personally – if you want my personal take, this is way too high for him right now for me, based on what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. He could change that narrative. I think this is too high, but it just felt right, and then nothing else did. So Chop well, Robinson is a Denver one of the ways. Yeah, one of the ways that he could uh, change that is he had 34 hurries last year, but his tackling wasn't great. So if he flips those numbers a bit and turns some of those more of those hurries into sacks and hits, uh, he's going to be shooting up draft boards. Next team on our list, well, hey, why don't you take another one? It's your Patriots, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Here's another one that I kind of, I, you know, I struggle with it. I didn't struggle with it. They always <laughs> seem to take DBs. I was very right. tempted to go with Kool-Aid here and pair them up mm-hmm. with Gonzo because that oh, just would have been a, just a night. I mean, think about how much sense that makes. Think about how yes. much talent the rest of the division has now at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Tua, you know, even if he might get hurt, whatever. But you've got Josh Allen, you've got Aaron Rodgers in that division. But the right. wide receivers that these teams have, like, imagine if Hopkins, if Nuke goes to Buffalo, we think that's going to happen. But like, just the offenses are crazy. So why not say, hey, here's Gonzo and Kool Aid? But I almost talked myself into trading it. Man, going forward, that might be a thing because Kool Aid should have probably been gone anyway. But. I didn't give him there, so let me get back on the actual pick here. Uh, I went offensive tackle. Jonah Monheim. I don't know if I said the the, the name right, but you know I gave it a, I I gave it a solid effort. Yeah. I did my best. Yeah. But And this might be a tad bit high for most people for Jonah, but here's the thing. I, he looked fantastic. He's, got a, he's, he's like a tackle. You draw him up on paper, you got him. But... USC is another team, like like I said, Michigan and Texas could be in contention for the, the four playoff spots. USC is very much in there, too. Like I, I, right. I feel like there's a world where they're three of the four, and then it's whoever wins the SEC. Dude, and that could be, be that could be – it's going to be a very fun college football season. But what I'm getting out at, west. though – Out west is going to be fun. West is loaded. All the quarterbacks yeah. out there and everything. Mm-hmm. But if USC goes – yep. If they go and they make it and Caleb Williams can p- continues to dominate, a lot of people are going to go look at tape and figure out what helped him have all that success. And this guy's going to be on a lot of tape that a lot of people mm-hmm. are going to be looking at because everybody's going to be looking at Caleb Williams. Right. Everybody's uh, Every scout in the world is going to go to USC games. They're going to mm-hmm. see this guy. I'm just predicting he's going to move up the board. No, I don't think he passes one of the top two. I definitely don't think he passes alt. We'll we'll see because I know right. Olu had some some phenomenal phenomenal tape, but he had he had a few blemishes on there as well. So I wouldn't say that's completely out outside of the possibilities, but I I don't think it's likely. But I definitely think he'd be the third best tackle. Right. And New England's and got a needed a line, and here you go. The one thing I will say about him is he did have eleven penalties last year, so that's gonna be something he's gonna to have to clean up a bit. But other than oh, yeah. that, that's about the only knock I can give you. And that's still eleven penalties on a thousand snaps. So it's like, yeah, he'll figure it out, right? Next I up, I gotta go to Pittsburgh now, and I, yeah, I don't want to do this. You got two more picks to make, man. I know, but this I'm, I'm dragging my feet on this one, Dan, because I don't want to say it again. But 
All right, everybody. Pittsburgh's up. One of their biggest needs is a linebacker. I'm not down in Pittsburgh here. Actually, I don't mind Pittsburgh. But the problem is, is they got to need a linebacker, and I have to keep saying that I think the best linebacker <laughs> in the nation is from Poop U. Uh, hey, hey, Tommy, you like, you like Spielman. I know, but he was a diehard Michigan fan. He was. He wanted to go to Michigan. But mm-hmm. Tommy Eichenberg is the best linebacker in the nation, He's and I good. think it's by such a large margin. Like I almost wanted to say that I, I guarantee <laughs> that he'll be the top-rated linebacker on draft day for me. I don't see what's going to change that. Sure. Uh, you're just he looks that there. good. Maybe. I'll look for every <laughs> excuse I can to get him out of there, but yeah. I really, truly believe that come draft day that he's still the top linebacker. Sure. He's, he's he's really good. He's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, well, and the one thing it's, it's I will a good say. Fit, so. Right. The one thing I will say, if you want to try to do anything against him, if you will, is that Trotter. he didn't have – well, right, he's a Buckeye and all that too, but he didn't have as strong of a second half of the season last year. So I'll be curious to see if that was just a, a fluke or if that was just numbers or whatever. I'm, I'm going to see if he can sustain it for the whole season. But I do agree with you. I mean, he might be the only linebacker we take here in the first round. So next up, though, Minnesota, you're still rolling, dude. This is where I just, you know, they, they have a need anywhere on defense considering how bad the defense was. Not sure this is the biggest need, but guess what? Kool-Aid McKinstry is still on the board, and that's got to stop. There's no way yep. There's no way he doesn't go on the top half of the first round. There's probably no way he's not a top 10 pick. And here we got him at 16 available. So this is something I think we both can easily say we messed something up. Uh, <laughs> this is just a stop the slide and don't make us look sillier than what we already are. Well, but, yeah, for whatever reason, we had Kool-Aid here. Well, we even, had him here even he's if still you got Cooper yeah, Dijon as your best corner. But even if Cooper does do what I think he's going to do, they're both going to probably be in the top ten to I don't know twelve picks. Sure, but I guess I guess I can't say that. Maybe the NFL's perspective on how they draft players or and positional values shifting a bit. I, I don't know because we saw well, Gonzo drop to seventeen. I never some... thought there's any shot at that. Right, we're doing some revisionist history here. I could go back and say maybe, uh, maybe one of those Bears picks could have been him uh, potentially because you know, there's there's teams that need help in different spots, but they did just take the Bears just took Tyreek Stevenson, so maybe they're thinking they're in good shape. So that's part of the fun about projecting way too early on all of this ridiculousness. But at any rate, talk about talk about why people are drinking the Kool Aid. Talk about why they're drinking the Kool Aid. Are we going to talk yeah. about the Kool Aid that we we, we drink? I mean, I mean, I'm drinking some people are, orange stuff people right are, now. People are drinking the Kool Aid because this kid looks good, and he's on mm-hmm. Alabama. He looks real good. I, I, right. I don't think we even need to talk about it because everybody who's listening to this is probably <laughs> a draft nut, and probably and, for the past five or six picks have been going, "Where's Kool Aid? <laughs> right? Where's exactly. he at? How good? What are and you guys again, doing?" He's another six foot one uh, corner, so both he and uh, Dijon are both bigger boys. So you know, flip a coin right now for him. Uh, but anyway, he slid because of that. So Houston is finally picking because of all of the draft don't we gotta, they've been doing. Don't we got to go on a, on a little halftime beer break here, Dan? Oh, fine. Yeah, let's do that. So for this beer break, though, I don't know if you had seen it or tried it. I, and I forget because I know you went to the Bell's Brewery fairly recently. But yeah, I was like they, released, they released the, the Oberon variety pack. Oh, which is kind of fun because I was, yep, because I, well, I was kind of excited when they did that two-hearted variety pack. So I feel like I right. have to review the Bell's Oberon variety pack. Well, so get into it. I, you know, I'm going to, but instead of doing it like one to four or four to one, I think I'm just mm-hmm. going to do it in the order that I drank them. Okay. I started with the OG because I was like, you know what, I got to prime the palate. Okay. Right. I truly, truly enjoy Oberon. Um, mm-hmm. It's the only beer that I've ever put or enjoyed a piece of fruit in in my entire life. I always say that because that <laughs> little that little blood orange wedge mm-hmm. or the car orange wedge in there just changes the game and brings it back to like what I feel like it used to taste like when it first came out, like sure. a decade and a half ago or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, yes, but for the sake of reviewing this variety pack, I didn't put the orange in there. I still very, very much enjoyed it. There goes the Husky. It, it was very good. And I'll just say this. It was still my favorite one in there. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so let's get that. It was the best one. I enjoy it much more with that orange in there, but everybody knows Oberon. Right. We've talked about it a lot. So I'm going to move on to the next one. <laughs> so the next one was that lemon orange zest one that I was mm-hmm. super excited to try. Like, that is literally why I bought it. I was like, this sounds <laughs> like they just maybe brought – like, here's what I was thinking. Did they just bring back the original – like, have they been listening to us? Did they bring <laughs> back the original – the recipe? This mm-hmm. could be it. I never tasted lemon in the original one, but hey, you can sprinkle a little Give something a new in there. It's okay. Mm-hmm. So I tried it. And you know what? Yeah. Hated it. Oh, that's, that's so it's not the original. Didn't like it. I didn't get any lemon or orange at all. <laughs> all I got was like this yeasty, weedy Oberon that didn't oh, taste as good as sad. the original one. It tasted like a lighter, yeasty, weedy Oberon. That sounds like, like they just made it worse. Well, there's a lot. I got in this. Your mind, be a, in your this might be one of my longest takes for a, a halftime beer review. So I'll apologize to you and everybody now. I was going to so say then, then I was already like, you know, disappointed and being salty about it. So my wife, mm-hmm. you know, she's all like, well, try that, try that red one. That one sounds the best. I was like, the red one. Oh, the cherry? She's like, yeah, that one sounds fantastic. And she can't have these due to her allergies. But like, all right, sure. I'll go ahead. I'll try the darn cherry one. That was the one I was <laughs> least excited about. So I tried it. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy it a ton, but it was better <laughs> than the lemon. It was, dude, it was better than the lemon and okay. the orange zest one. Okay. Was it better than the OG? No, not even close. Okay. Nothing was close. I think I get, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll go through and give you my, my grades on these things at the end. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pull up on tap how I checked into them. So then to wrap it up, I was like, okay, the one I was second most excited about was the mango one. There you go. I was like, I want to try the mango one. I took well, a sip there. spicy too. Uh, well, I didn't know that. I didn't see the oh, habanero. No. I didn't oh, see no. the habanero. So like I took a wicked <laughs> chug of this thing and you know, I'm you know, I love spicy stuff. But I feel when like you got to be mentally it. prepared for this when it hits the back <laughs> of your throat and you don't know. Um, and I was like, what was that? I was like, what is in this thing? It was like mango. I was like, I think the words came out of my mouth was it for you know the edited version was like mango my yeah. butt. I was yeah. like, and I grabbed the can and I'm like looking at it. I was like, oh, mango habanero. And I'm yeah. just a firm believer that unless it's a bloody, I love spicy foods more than anybody you'll ever meet. But unless it's a sure. bloody mary, with the exception because I've been persuaded a little bit with that uh, the the Mayan mocha stout, the spicy one or mm-hmm. whatever, the bourbon mm-hmm. barrel aged Mayan mocha stout, with the exception of those two drinks. <laughs> no drink on planet Earth should be spicy. Sure. Just, your food's spicy, your drink's not. So right. I hated it. It was the worst <laughs> one. It was the worst one. So Yeah, and there's something but, about putting fruit and spice together like that that gets a, a totally different character. So uh, as far as outside of the actual Oberon, I gave the mango habanero Oberon a 2. I gave the Whoops. Oberon with lemon and orange zest a 2.75. And I gave the Oberon. The cherry over on Alla three, so there you go. Now you would think this takes done. It's not. It's not done, Dan. <laughs> I knew we were gonna do this show today, so uh-huh. I didn't. Last night I decided to have two beers just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't need to have an Oberon. I've had right. a million of those. We've done it. Sure. Not mentally prepared, or nor can I figure out a way how to get rid of those mango habanero ones yet. I might boil some brats in them. I don't know. I was not thrilled to drink that. Dude, whenever we Moving do that, I got to try one of them just to see what it's like. I'll yeah. save one for you. I'm, I'm good Cheers, with it. Cheers, bud. <laughs> uh, so I tried the other two. Mm-hmm. And mind you, these have been in my fridge, which is much colder than like, they're basically on ice. You know what I mean? Not <laughs> right. like, because I tried these things fresh out of the store fridge. Okay. When they're ice cold, they got better. The not cherry always a was, compliment for a drink. The but. cherry was a little better, not much. I'm still very mm-hmm. much on par with like the three grade. But that lemon and orange zest one, when it was ice cold, second time around, I could taste the lemon and the orange. Interesting. And the grade definitely improved. So it's sure. at least tied with the cherry, at least. Okay. Because I had them both side by side, and like I couldn't mm-hmm. pick which one I really truly liked better. Okay. Um, so very, it was a long take for no answers. <laughs> I don't know which nope. ones I like the best, or if I even do like them or not. I know I don't like 
that Abanero one. But I, I sure. think original they improved a lot. Both the other two mm-hmm. improved quite a bit. So the well, last thing I'll know. say is, were these they need the ones that you tried? I haven't tried any of those yet. Oh, I'll save you one of each then. Thank you. Now I had the jalapeno. Uh, we we tried that one. We tried the jalapeno one that they did from the brewery, but we haven't I haven't tried any of the ones from the. Uh, the variety pack. And again, that's the fun thing about uh, about trying these different beers in different states because when you think about the different things that come out, when beers tend to get a little bit warmer and warmer in quotation marks, but like not as cold, the yeasty pizzas can come out a little bit. So that makes sense. So I, dude, I, I've i got beer to talk about, but I don't think I need to talk about it. I think we're just going to stick with all that right yeah, now. Cause I'm sorry. Like I told you. It, I, pieces. it was oh, going to be a long, long one. I'll talk about one because I did crack one of the ones that we have from Folklore Brewing down in Alabama because it's a mead, and I know you wouldn't want to try it anyways. So I had yes, the, the grape mead that I got, the Raven's Wing, from uh, Folklore uh, when I were on that adventure and had that with a friend. And you know what? As meads go, it wasn't as syrupy sweet as a lot of meads are, which made me happy. And it was just a pleasant little purple drink. It was good times. It wasn't anything overwhelming or amazing or whatever. It was Sorry, it was a blackberry, not the grape, but... It was a Blackberry Raven's Wing Mead, and they did a solid job on it. And that's one of the things that they're known for down there. So not spectacular, but, uh, you know, you would have even drank it. You would have said it's a little sweet, but you would have drank it. Pretty easy to move. It, it has a chance up against that Mango Abanero Oberon. Yeah, well, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Everything does. Yeah, that outside of the, uh, the, the Pert beer, right? So outside of that one. <laughs> she tried to remind yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Of, of some of our attempts. That per- that everything that beats well. that perm beer. Exactly. All right, let's get back to the draft. Dude, now. a Bud Light might beat half. that perm beer. Ooh. Ooh, that's not. And Bud Light's blasphemy. the only beer on planet Earth I say I won't drink. Right, that's a bit of blasphemy right there, dude. I don't know, we're going to have to vet that out a little more. But let's vet the second half of this draft class. And the Houston is next up, and uh, we decided they needed some help on the edge, so we went... To Liatu Latu, who basically is the first edge rusher sized guy that we're having come off the board at 6'4, 265. Uh, again, had a solid season last year, had uh, 12 sacks, right? But here's the thing had 45 hurries. 45 hurries. That's a lot of hurries. That's a lot. And that is why his. Well, that's why his pass rush grade was a 91. Uh, he didn't necessarily... This dude is a pass rusher. He's not necessarily an edge setter. He's not necessarily the greatest tackler in the world. But boy, is he going to wreak some havoc. And, uh, you know, Houston needs some havoc. So they're going to go that route, and they'll be pretty happy about it. The uh, Chargers are up next. And uh, we could have gone so many different directions with a Chargers pick. And they, they could use... They're not in bad shape, but they can use some help in a lot of different areas. Uh, even though we think that uh, they might need a little more help than just Q at wide receiver coming up, they also need help in the defensive backfield. And so the next guy on the list, uh, if you will, for a lot of people for corners, some people have him two, some people have him three. Uh, I, I think I put him at one on my list because it's being a bit bold for where he can move up to, but that's Kalen King. King's a little bit smaller than the other guys. He's 5'11", is at a 6'1", 188. He also is technically, uh, his draft eligible year is 2025, 20, so he might not even technically come out this year, depending on how the season goes for him. But he had a he had a 90 coverage grade last year. And when you see a guy who locks people down at that level with a 48.9 passer rating against him, this is a dude who knows how to play. And again, uh, he's been doing that in the Big Ten. You can say they don't throw the ball as much, but he played against Ohio State. He played against Michigan. He has shown that he can uh, hold up against good teams. So... Uh, definitely curious to see how he goes, but this is a good spot for him to go and for the Chargers to have a lockdown corner. And New Orleans was a little annoyed about that, so they decided to say, fine, I'll take another one. And this is the other guy that I like, too. So, again, I like all four of the corners we've talked about so far that we're going to talk about, but Ventrell Cypress II could end up being my favorite. I don't know how it's going to go just yet. Six I, li- I like him quite a bit, guys. too. Yeah, all these guys are about the same size. They're all in that six one. 185, and then Cooper DeJean's got a little more bulk pushing up towards 205. But all these guys are roughly in the same uh, ballpark. What's going to be interesting for Cypress is because he played at uh, at Virginia all the, the rest of the years, now he's going to be having a little more of a spotlight at, uh, at Florida State. And so he still ended up with an 87 grade last year. Uh, another guy who had uh, like a 58 from uh, as far as his uh, uh, passer rating against when he was out there. So another dude who knows how to lock down. He's 
one of the more consistent across the board. Like he can tackle well, he can play the run, he can play the pass. And so I'm going to be very curious to see how things play out for him as well. But uh, New Orleans needs some help out there in the edge because unless something crazy happens for Paulson to Debo, he had a really rough year last year. So I don't think that's a, a spot that they're going to shy away from come draft day. You're up next. It's the Giants. Ooh, your f- secret crush. Good right. lord. First off, there's the nothing gi- secret about it the way you talk about it. And it's not a crush. Wow. want to crush them. Mm-hmm. So, I got to get them another wide receiver. They need a wide receiver. You know why they yeah. need a wide receiver, Dan? Um, Because they need to make sure Daniel Jones is worth this contract? <laughs> Correct. They absolutely need to <laughs> make sure he's worth his contract, which, you know... I don't hate it. Like, he definitely looked all right, but, man, that's just a lot. I don't think he's worth that much money, but I definitely think they had to bring him back. So it's just a weird predicament they're in. But right. they can't – They can't, I know they got Jalen Hyatt, but, like, he can't be, like, the guy. And Paris Campbell and Slayton and Hodgins, like, no, sorry. That's just – that's not just going to get you there. So I'm going to go right. with who I, I project as the number two wide receiver. Fully understand he's going to be lower on every board you look at, but – you just like doing that. Yep, that's what I do. <laughs> but, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, it's super-duper tiny Xavier Worthy is probably ranked higher on almost everybody's board, and I like Xavier Worthy <laughs> a lot. But what are you going to do with Xavier Worthy and, Worthy and Jalen Hyatt? Sure, like, I have a little dude. Yeah, yeah. Romeo Odunze definitely makes a heck of a lot more sense here. I'm going to put mm-hmm. him in, give Daniel Jones the pairing of Odunze and Hyatt. feel like they can complement each other fairly well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I feel pretty good about that one. Let's go into right. Detroit here, because this one quick, just though, I hate like, this pick. It's almost like a Dunze though is what they wanted Kenny Galladay to be, and it never worked Correct. out for him. Correct. At All least right. we got a pick for it. Detroit's up, and they're picking a little bit later than they did this year with that twenty-second pick or twenty-first pick rather. And dude, we I hate this pick. Shrugged I hate our this shoulders, pick. man. I know, we dude. Just, I. I I really mm. really wanted to go with either Leonard Taylor or. Uh, Jerzon Newton here, but mm-hmm. and we almost did. The fact and we almost did, but the fact of the matter is, is this is kind of like what we did with Kool Aid. Maybe this is just what we did with Bama this year. We had to stop the slide <laughs> in a way. We well, saw a need, but we put Dallas yeah, Turner a, here, man. I'm not. It's a good thing there's eleven. I, I'm just months. gonna say, I'm just gonna say why I'm not <laughs> big in this guy and let you do. I'm gonna do a short take and let you hop in because we share the team. I'm not right. big on Dallas Turner because Dallas Turner is a guy. I get it. He wasn't a full-time starter, but he still played like 650 snaps. He didn't right. do a lot with those snaps. He's allegedly like 6'4 and 240. Um, mm-hmm. Dude, he's Which either 240 size. or lighter because when I look at him, mm-hmm. he does not look – when you look at first-round edge rushers, I don't want him to – like, I don't know. He doesn't right. look like the guy that I want him to look like. I don't know. It just – it's interesting to me. He's got to he's got to bulk up. He's got to get stronger. I, I need to see more production from him at 650 some snaps or whatever it mm-hmm. was. He did he didn't do much with those. Right. So I'm just not impressed with this guy. I see him ranked right around the 10 range. Me personally, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if he's not drafted in the first round. But we'll see. He could yeah. completely just destroy that. He'd be my early on hot take of I'm way lower on this guy than everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, and this is where it gets interesting because you're looking at a player that is a projection piece. He only had like a 73 uh, coming out with with the pro football focus. He had 21 hurries, he had 11 hits, so he had some production from the pass rush spot. But this is a guy that people are looking at saying he is going to get better, which could happen. And that's maybe, where it's it fun. Maybe he does. projecting. But there's also he's also a player that has not shown that he's going to get better. And maybe he's got some crazy testing numbers that we haven't looked into yet. Uh, from, or at least people projecting they're going to be crazy testing numbers. He ends up being the, the combine, you know, star or something along those lines. But yeah, Dallas Turner fills a need for Detroit because there is still need on the D line, whether we go edge or interior D line. But unlike last season, which felt like this past draft 2023, which felt like there were one or two maybe solid D tackles and then a bunch of others. It feels like there's a deeper D tackle class this year than last year. And the edge rushers don't seem as deep at this point, at least. So that's kind of why we went this route. But again, that's why I said it's a good thing there's 11 months. So hopefully something can change and we can feel better about it when we get uh, further along those lines. Time to go to Miami, who finally has another first round pick. 
Yeah, and I stayed local with Miami and gave them one of the two guys that I really wanted to give to Detroit, and I went with the <laughs> Miami Hurricane, and I gave them Leonard Taylor. I just feel like it sure. makes a ton of sense here. Um, and when I say a ton of sense, Miami has got a lot of depth in a lot of areas, and you mm-hmm. know they don't have a ton of holes, but if they do have a hole, this is one, and the need and the talent and everything just matched up, and it was an in-state guy. It just made right. too much sense not to do it, so... Agreed. Moving. I'll stay in Florida. I'll stay in Florida, though, and go Go to Jacksonville. I was stoked to talk about this one because Jacksonville, their biggest need to me was anywhere in the defensive backfield. That was their biggest need to me. They didn't really address that, man. They just they Mm -hmm. didn't. So it's still very much their biggest need, at least in my eyes. And I went with a guy that I'm nervous about. (laughs) <laughs> he, he played incredible, but he was a one-year player at his position. He literally changed sides of the ball. Like, this is a PFF, as you pointed out, this is a hot take. PFF, as you pointed out, loved this guy. I did too, but I'd be terrified, <laughs> terrified to take him in the first round for what I know today. But we'll sure. see if Mike Sander still can back up his second year playing a, D, a cornerback, DB, if you will. Right. He's a guy who can move around back there, but he's converted wide receiver. So if he mm-hmm. if he can have another year like he did last year, then I think that he can go in the first round. But this is very much a hot right. take. Uh, PFF would back us on this one though, because <laughs> I didn't know they did until you told mm-hmm. me, and they gave him like a hundred and sixty three grade or something. What was it? What they give him? <laughs> Eighty three. But yeah, dude, still so solid. That's a, really, it's a very solid grade. What it comes down to here is he had amazing numbers uh, playing the run, which is a slot corner is huge, and that's really what it is. He is a slot corner at this point. I'll be curious to see if they let him play any outside or if they just keep him as the slot guy. And because slot guys are a bigger deal in the NFL now, there's a world where this works out and he ends up being a uh, a first-round draft pick. I think um, we are optimistic with that at the moment, but we've seen five corners go in first rounds before, so we'll have to see how that plays out as we get moving forward. Other New York team now, the Jets. Well, especially considering – Especially considering one of the corners might even actually be viewed as a safety. So it might only right, be four sure. corners. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we can look at it that way and then throw those out there. But again, so you're talking maybe five guys. But that, that Sanders still is definitely our uh, our projection pick, if you will. And obviously, as a Michigan fan, I hope he plays really well this year. But again, More it out. still goes into that same exact theory. Like, if, if he plays well and Michigan goes into the playoffs and whatnot, people are going to be watching right. the state. No, there's no doubt about that, yeah. Well, a team that almost uh, inevitably will be playing well and potentially could end up in the playoff again is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, I decided that because the New York Jets apparently didn't prioritize their offensive line as much as uh, I thought they should have this past year, and because they're still trying to figure out whether or not they're going to have old tackles or injured tackles or whatever, they need offensive line help. They're going to go to Alabama, make some large. J.C. Latham, kind of seen by a lot of people as the next best tackle up on a lot of boards right now, 6'6", 326. Didn't have like a transcendent season last year, but was solid in his spot. His pass blocking grade especially was like an 84. So this is a dude who physically is is what you're looking for. Uh, and again, given the fact that the way the game is trending toward more passing anyways, uh, Latham seems like a good fit. 6'6", six, six is going to have long enough arms to hang out there on the outside and help the Jets solidify that position and give them a little more uh, a little more stability going forward and as opposed to trying to figure out who's going to get hurt this year. So Seattle's yeah, up next. He, he would very much logically probably be the pick over Monheim that I gave to New England up there at like 14. Sure. But just, you know, had, had to do the hot takes in this. So. Right. And you got your boys. Well, Seattle's up next. And we had some fun with this pick as well because Seattle's a team that actually looks pretty solid in a lot of positions and a lot of spaces, uh, which is amazing given where we thought they were going to be coming off of getting rid of Russell Wilson. We're like, is it time to rebuild? Apparently not in Seattle. But they also have a 32-year-old quarterback coming off the only good season he's ever had in his entire NFL career. And so maybe, just maybe, this is where they take a quarterback and maybe just maybe it's a guy who's already in the Pacific Northwest, which gives you two, they picks, have two options. Yeah. They got two right. options there. Could go either way. And we went the Bo Nix route partially because Bo Nix seems like a little more, the type of quarterback that Seattle's had over the, the last several years. I don't think couldn't mobile. adapt somebody else, but he's a little more mobile. He definitely runs around a little more. Uh, but again, he still threw for 3,500 yards last year, had 29 touchdowns, seven picks. 
but when you add in the fact that the dude can run the ball and he ran for 519 yards last year and 14 touchdowns as well, you got a guy who had 41 total touchdowns last year playing out West for a very good Oregon team. And so when we talk about the West being fun, you got Penix Jr., who we didn't talk about up in Washington, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, and that's just those three teams. There's also Cameron Rising we haven't talked about out there at Utah. He's not necessarily a first-round guy, but it's I am going to lose sleep this season watching Pac-12 football, which is not mm-hmm. something I've been able to say in a very long time. But Bo Nix will go to Seattle and help them out, give them a quarterback for the future, even if he sits a season behind Geno, because they do still have that year in the contract. Who's up next? Let's go to Baltimore. Dude, uh, this is weird. We, was. Yeah, we, we go on a bit of a... Uh... Less desired position run here, <laughs> but I guess <laughs> well, maybe it, yeah, the, the value isn't there, or positional value, if you will. But we go three straight running backs here, Dan. Look, dude, running back hasn't been taken yet, so let's let's they get haven't been taken in. yet, and the NFL's ch- shifting their mindset. But yeah, Baltimore's your squad, go ahead, hit them, right? And Baltimore, look, they they might be able to keep rolling with uh, with who they've got in the backfield right now, but. We have yet to to really see them be able to maximize you know, who they've got in those positions because J.K. Dobbins hasn't stayed healthy. Gus Edwards hasn't stayed healthy. Basically, no one's stayed healthy. Uh, the, and they haven't grabbed anybody to really fill that spot. And so I realize I'm saying this off a guy who's coming off a bit of a knock himself, but Blake Corum it really feels like a Baltimore Ravens guy. He seems like Ray Rice before all the issues. You know, he's, he's, he's 5'8", 210. He's a bowling ball out there who can still affect you at multiple levels. He's fast. He hits the hole well. He had a 96.2 last year in the time that he played. Uh, and so that's just insane. Dude's dude's solid. He's a great pick. And while I like all three of the running backs we're talking about here, everybody's got him as the consensus number one coming into the year. Th- three things real quick. One, had he not gone down, he probably would have won the Heisman. Two, He's right up there, yeah. John Harbaugh might know somebody who's coaching for the University of Michigan and have a little mm-hmm. bit of inside take on this guy. Three, why not replace a Buckeye with a Wolverine? Always a good choice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, I had to get those three things in there. Dallas, real quick. Uh, well... Jerry Jones, I believe he's an Arkansas Razorback himself, and there's one heck he's of a running fan. back right there. And Raheem mm-hmm. Sanders, they need a running back, and Raheem Sanders, I've been talking about him since last year, so I don't need to say anything <laughs> new about him. It's an right. awesome fit. And then I'll let you slide into your team and talk about who I think is today's NFL's best running back in this class. Light it up, Dan. Well, put a pin in that real quick because I will say about Raheem Sanders – he is the size that they probably want because they've got the yes. smaller-ish guy in Pollard, smaller-ish, and Deuce Vaughn now. The Sand is 6'2", 221. He can be their bowling ball if they need to be and be the guy who's just smashing in there. And 1,400 yards last year, yeah, dude knows what he's doing. But we had to – look, Buffalo's been looking for a running back for a couple seasons now. And, again, they just got rid of Singletary, so they really could use an addition right now. And to be honest with you, they're not upset that they get to take Donovan Edwards here. At 6'1", 204, mm. and even though he doesn't necessarily have maybe the home run speed that Corum has, he has breakaway speed. So this guy, I, I, I'll be very curious to see what his 10-yard split is uh, in the uh, in the, the 40, because I think that he has that first step and that change of direction, and it's just off the charts. And he is the best receiving back of the three guys we talked about yeah. so far. He's almost a quasi-wide receiver hybrid guy, and Buffalo and we- can definitely use him that way. And saying that, like knowing how mobile Josh Allen is, if he starts to roll out and Edwards mm-hmm. drifts, imagine what could happen there. Dink. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be brilliant and might actually encourage Josh Allen to not run the ball 15 times. Correct. Again. It might, you know, cr- extend his career, if you will. But San Fran, let's get in here. Man, we got a lot of Michigan players going this year, but if they play as well as everybody thinks they will, this it will happen. But Five first San Fran is not of the realm of possibility for them. I know it's happened in the past, I'm sure, but hey. <laughs> San Francisco, interior line, Zach Zinter had to do it. This is a guard with awesome, awesome size. Mm-hmm. Plugs a huge need for him. I mean, yep. my good goodness, let's keep a quarterback healthy there. <laughs> can, can we <laughs> do that? So him. let's let's get some old line. Let's get the, probably the second best interior lineman. Maybe the other Michigan old lineman, the center, you know, Nugent is maybe he goes higher, but I just he's he's small. 
So right. I, I'm going to give him the big guy. I'm going to give him Zinter and, and, and move on there. I think that's an awesome pick. Sure. Yeah, that's a guy who after the season is going to be a three-year starter at guard. So, yeah, just again, yeah. he's not quite Cooper Beebe, but he's a solid, solid guy to have there. Go ahead, and Cincinnati. Oh, no, dude, it's me again. All right, so yeah. Cincinnati. Dude, it's Cincinnati's roster. We'll get to that in a couple episodes too, but it's very <laughs> strange to look at because it's like they don't have a ton – of needs all while they don't have a ton of studs everywhere. So it's like, I don't know, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. But if there's one right. hole they have, it's tight end. Sure. And I, I'm going to give him to uh, Jatavian Sanders here from Texas. He's he's mm-hmm. definitely considered to be the second best tight end. He's also nowhere near Brock Bowers. But we're taking <laughs> him at the 30th overall pick here. It, right. It's I think the value it makes sense to an extent, but the need's definitely there. So that'd be a huge yeah. win for them. Yeah, definitely. We thought they might address that this year in the draft. They chose not to. And uh, again, when you're when you're trying to grab somebody who can be a receiving threat at this point in the game, I mean, it, it'll be it'll be fun to watch him as well and see how he continues to improve. But again, 54 catches is a pretty solid year for a tight end, even in college. Next up is Philadelphia. We got two more picks. They're both mine. I'll rip through them. This is a guy that you think is higher up than a lot of other people do at the moment. Braylon I like Trice. Him. He's the pick for Philly to continue. Basically, to you took them. the two two best players on my board. I love both these guys. Sorry, I had to interrupt <laughs> you and say that. No, you're good. He had a 91 for his pass rushing grade because now we talk about you know percentages, whatever. 611 snaps, 335 pass rushing snaps. Right? Okay, we can talk about him versus Dallas Turner. We probably should have taken Braylon Trice to Detroit, let's be honest here. I would because much Dallas rather Turner, have him, but I was trying to make Turner this somewhat make like, sense. Right, Turner had like 35-ish, 40-ish uh, total pressures in his 300 snaps. This guy had 70, 46 hurries, 15 hits, and 9 sacks. And again, this is a guy at 6'4", 269 that has a little more bulk to him. This is a very traditional edge rusher. And I think that with the way people are going to be focusing on the Pac-12 this year, he's going to keep sliding up. And uh, we've got him too low. I really do believe. Uh, I look, agree too, but there's there's only so Philly many take hot him. takes you can do in your first mock. Actually, you know that's wrong. <laughs> if we're gonna do our way too early, we should just have it be crazy. Right. We well, should, hey, look, you're Philly right. Will we take should him. have him go Philly will take him at 31. They're not complaining about that. And then the last pick of the draft, again, according to steel. the list we have, right absolute now, steal no. here. Kansas City gets John Newton, who a lot of people might have higher than that uh, on their list as well. Right, uh, to be to be a, a great interior presence for them uh, to put in. They're, they're just continuing to get better uh, on their defensive line. He had a 91 last year. The dude's 6'2", 295, so he's one of those slightly-ish ish smaller interior defensive tackles, but not really. Uh, and again, even with that, the dude still had 60 or 59 total pressures on, uh, on 400 pass rushing snaps from the inside. So all the way around, these are two picks that will probably rise up our board as we go through this. It's just kind of how things fell uh, for this year and where we're looking at needs. And again, all of this is going to shuffle as the draft order shuffles. As we do our, our mock drafts, it's going to be so funny to see how some of these guys move around, how they drop out, how they come back in, and, uh, and we're going to have a good time with that. Any last thoughts on how to wrap up this uh, first hilariously too early mock draft? Yeah, the worst pick we made was Detroit, and I'm sad. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to have to improve upon that. Y'all are going to have to uh, see how this changes over the course of the next few seasons, or two few months, rather. And what's going to be fun for us coming up now, we are going to be looking at building blocks for all of the teams uh, in the NFL over the next several episodes. And so some of that stuff might make us change our minds on who we had guys getting taken here in the first round. Should be a good time. But catch us next time as we start ripping through your favorite teams and what they have to look forward to in the future on Draft Day.